This is a 980 CKNW podcast. This is the Sunday Night Health Show. I am Maureen McGrath. Thank you so much for joining me. I am honored and delighted to have in the studio with me, Allison Klein. She is the host of All Access Pass on CITR Radio, which is 101.9 on the FM dial. She's an advocate for people with disabilities. Her show is about anything and everything from sports to music, art, and even sexuality. Yes, there's someone else talking about sex besides me. Allison, thanks so much for joining me here in the studio. Thank you. Oh, it's an honor to have you here. So why are you so passionate as an advocate uh, for people with disabilities? And I love the work that you do, by the way. It's phenomenal. Thank you. Um, I am so passionate because I have a learning issues myself, and I find that the best person to know about their disability is the person themselves. I can't agree with you more. And Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you've turned something that, you know, if you had a learning disability, you've turned something that may have set you back um, into something positive and also helping others. Yeah. And and you find joy in that, in oh, that yeah. ability to help others. I do. Yeah. It's, that is amazing. It's kind of funny and fun all at the same time. Yeah, it's great. And you have a radio show where you dispense this information. Yeah, it's called All Access Pass. Um, It is through CITR FM 101.9 in Vancouver out of UBC. We have my collective who we all come together. It's called the Accessibility Collective and we produce a show. We have people with all different types of disabilities, from me who has, who has a learning issue, to autism, um, neurotypical people who have siblings with disabilities. So one of my friends has a twin sister who has Down syndrome, mm-hmm. another friend who has dwarfism and is a wheelchair user. So mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different people coming together and doing this. And these are all the producers of the show. Yeah. This is amazing. Wow. Great experience <laughs> there. Great experience. Literally. And they know. You know, they know the issues that people face. Yeah. Uh, people who have disabilities face. So, you know, you talk a, bit, a little bit about sports on your program. And, um, you know, it's difficult for people to get to sports events yeah. sometimes because of accessibility. Tell me a little bit about that and what you'd like to see. So a lot of the time is that they don't have wheelchair accessible ramps. They, if they do have wheelchair accessible ramps, they it's out of the way. Um, doors that are not wheelchair accessible either. Or if they are, the door, uh, b- the buttons that push the door open it's hard to get to, so that's another trick. Exactly. And do you think the problem is design? Do you think that they, yeah. are, they don't have the right consultants on these jobs, i.e. people who need to access these themselves? Yes. They yes. are able-bodied, um, neurotypical people who are usually the ones who are accessing or designing the, the buildings and not the ones who usually access Right, and so they may not fully understand how wide a door may need to be for a wheelchair to pass through. Or where a button should be, or uh, where a ramp should go. Um, Elevators are another big issue as well. 
Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And why, why are the elevators such a big issue? Because I think about elevators, but you tell me. If they break down. Oh, huge. <laughs> huge. That's for all of us and those who are claustrophobic or, yeah. um, you know, have a fear of small spaces. And another thing with elevators, if they break down, people who are deaf, they can't hear what's going on the uh, loudspeaker. So if they can't hear what's going on the loudspeaker, they don't know what's going on. Wow. Um, <laughs> and what would you suggest to have um, in the elevator for people who are deaf? There's actually a new technology that I just heard that it will be ba- uh, backup ba- uh, battery powered, like a, a car battery. Yeah. And that would help with a small screen inside the elevator so that you, if the person, you have a hearing person and they're on the loudspeaker, it can be converted to um, closed captioning on the screen. Nice. So that the person who is deaf can see what's going on. Wow. I have a friend who has an elevator company. You know, just that little bit of information, I am actually going to insist that he (laughs) install those in every single elevator that's associated with his company, or I'm going to guilt him for the rest of his life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But one small bit of information, that's really helpful. I never would have thought of that. And so you provide these little tips of information. How about uh, somebody who may have had a spinal cord injury, has limited hand function? Um, How about the buttons on the the Um, elevator? I've seen also new technology in elevators with screens. Mm -hmm. And they're big screens where the buttons are to the screen and the buttons are big enough on the screen. And it's like an iPad where it's... And iPads are really good for... Um, just soft touch, soft touch mm-hmm. to people who have spinal cord injuries or limited hand mobility, cerebral palsy, the list goes on, and they can just press it, and it's easy to press. Wow, wow, that's fantastic, which also reminds me of bathrooms for people bathrooms with disabilities. Bathrooms are huge. They're a big issue, huh? Um, Oh, yeah, bathrooms are a big issue. I just came, went to Toronto with for the National Community and College Radio Conference, and my, my friend who is a wheelchair user has limited mobility. Um, she needs an, uh, an assistant to help her, mm-hmm. and the family bathroom that her and her assistant could use was out of service. Oh. In, in the Toronto airport. Oh, that's terrible. And so, thankfully, the big washrooms had a wheelchair stall so that um, she could go in and use the washroom. Wow. And it's really important that people who are not disabled not use those big stalls, even yeah. if there's a huge lineup of women, which yeah. typically there is at events and everything, waiting. But you really should leave that for, for people who need it. I've heard... It is kind of nice. If there is a big lineup, a lot of people are okay in wheel, who are wheelchair users. Yeah. They're okay for those big lineups. They understand. That's so nice. But if it's relatively empty exactly. and you're using a big... For your suitcase or something. That's... Yeah. Absolutely. And I've seen it actually at airports. You know those some a lot of airports have big enough stalls for your suitcase and mm-hmm. that's 
nice. Yes, it is. It is. That's true. Um, so why is accessibility so important for people with disabilities? I mean, to, you know, otherwise, I, you know, people wouldn't be going to these sporting events, right? And right. So how does that help their emotional health? Because you, we are connected and it's just if you're connected with other people who are neurotypical or able-bodied, mm-hmm. um, you just see it. You f- have that same experiences, and you not only do you have that same connection with others, the mm-hmm. other people who are quote unquote neurotypical or able-bodied, they are more friendly towards you, and they can share. We can share back and forth. Exactly. And it's, there's so much loneliness in the world today. And so it's so nice to go out to a restaurant or go to a sporting event or to a concert or whatever. Yeah. And I think it's just um, amazing the work that you do. What are some of the simple strategies for people out there that have businesses, that have restaurants or, you know, a, an arena or whatever, um, to make it a little easier for people with disabilities? Um. Make the rest, if you have a tight space, that's what you're going to get. That's just the nature of the beast. But always have a couple of places where it's wide enough for a wheelchair user to come in, to maneuver around so that they can order the food, like Starbucks. Mm -hmm. That's a big... That's good accessibility there. That's good accessibility there. Tables that can... You can just wheel in. Mm-hmm. Um, people, if you see someone with autism and have real sound sensitivities, if they have their ears covered, don't scream at them. Right, exactly. <laughs> Good point. Sometimes it's the common sense. Um, just talk to them in the normal voice, and they're pretty good about that. Um so, and if they're deaf and you don't have anybody who can sign, mm-hmm. writing on a piece of paper, right. <laughs> very easy, or learn a couple of signs so that the person can order at ease. Right. So reaching out and communicating and with uh, people with disabilities is also important as well. Yeah. Uh, I love the work that you do, Alison Klein. I love <laughs> your advocacy. It's amazing. Alison Klein is my guest. She is host of All Access Pass on CITR Radio 101.9 on the FM dial. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And I would love to have you back because I think yeah. this is such an important subject. Yeah. For so many people, you know, we're living longer and sometimes people have um, issues with their gait or, you know, dizziness or whatever. This applies to so many people. Yeah. And, um, and so thank you. Thank you so much thank for you. the wonderful work. This is the Sunday Night Health Show. I am Maureen McGrath. I hope you can hear me well enough. <laughs> Wearing a hearing aid may help protect your brain later in life. This is important information. A new study has concluded that people who wear a hearing aid for age-related hearing problems maintain better brain function over time than those who do not. You know what? You're part of the conversation if you can hear it. If you cannot hear the those who you are having lunch with, your family members, those who you love, those who you care about, if you don't get the information, you're going to be missing out 
on a lot, and it can lead to confusion for a lot of people. This new research builds on important research in recent years pulled together by the Lancet Commission on Dementia Prevention, Intervention, and Care, through which hearing loss emerged as an important risk factor for dementia. I totally can see this. There are so many patients of mine who are ashamed. They are embarrassed. They are too vain. They tell me themselves they are far too vain to actually get or wear a hearing aid. And the research... Uh, suggests that wearing a hearing aid may mitigate your risk of getting, having dementia as uh, as you age. And that is something you definitely don't want to have. So if you're having difficulty hearing or if somebody says, um, you, you know, tells you that you are, uh, don't deny it. You know, listen to them figuratively. <laughs> Listen to them, um, definitely, because it could change your life. And quality of life is critical as you age. This particular research was conducted through the Protect online study of 25,000 people over the age of 50 by the University of Exeter and King's College London and was presented at the Alzheimer's Association International Conference in Los Angeles, California. And the findings provided early evidence that encouraging your loved ones, people, your friends, your partner, your spouse to wear an effective hearing aid regardless of the age, it may help to protect your brain and reduce their risk of dementia. It's extremely difficult, um, you know, to live with somebody, to be a caregiver for somebody who has dementia. And when you think about, oh my gosh, might this have been prevented? And if this could have been prevented, I mean, really, it's a very simple thing. And hearing aids are, I know they're expensive, but they are advanced uh, these days. There's a a lot more uh, treatment options as well. So there are inexpensive things on Amazon that's like a stethoscope looking type of device. Um, There, you know, you can even use something. Um, like a uh, something that amplifies your voice when you're speaking to somebody else. According to the study, both groups uh, undertook annual cognitive tests over two years. After that time, the group who wore hearing aids performed better in measures assessing working memory and aspects of attention than those who did not. On one attention measure, people who wore hearing aids, you're listening to me, right? showed faster reaction times in everyday terms. This is a reflection of concentration. For example, straining to hear a sound, peering closely at an object of great interest, and listening intently to someone speaking. The lead researcher was Ann Corbett, who was from the University of Exeter, and she stated that previous research had shown that hearing loss is linked to a loss of brain function, memory, and an increased risk of dementia. Their work is one of the largest studies to look at the impact of wearing a hearing aid. And uh, according to this study, there's a suggestion that wearing a hearing aid could actually protect your brain. We now definitely need more research. There's a paucity of research in this area. Definitely need a clinical trial to test this and perhaps feed into policy to help keep people healthy later in life. We have to think about this if we're administrators of hospitals, we're in long-term care facilities, uh, when oftentimes people will enter a long-term care facility because they have leakage of urine. It's the number one reason for admission to long-term care facilities. And, you know, you want if somebody's not hearing at your home, in their home, I shouldn't say facility, um, because it becomes their home and it is their home, but in whatever home they are living, if you notice somebody that is not 
able to hear, you want to talk to them about that and you want to suggest that they have a hearing test, which are very simple, and perhaps wearing a hearing aid because that could actually protect their brain. And and so protection of your brain, you know, we don't see the brain. We don't fully understand the brain. Uh, there's so much uh, that goes on in the brain. There's not a lot that goes on in some time, you know, for some people. But no, the brain is plastic. The brain has been showed, shown to be regenerative. Uh, the brain is just an amazing organ. organ, organ. <laughs> Almost got confused with that other word I say a lot. Um, the brain is an incredible organ, but we really need to protect are melons. And this is just another way, like wearing a helmet to prevent concussion when you are riding a bike or skiing or snowboarding. Uh, it took me a little while to wear a helmet as a skier because <laughs> I didn't. Um, but you know what? I want to protect my brain. And so by the same token, if I were unable to hear or if somebody told me that, if somebody suggested that I wasn't hearing them, I certainly would look into that further because it makes for a better quality of life. And that is what it's all about. It is a better quality of life. We need to keep our brains healthy. Keep in mind, this is an early finding. It needs more investigation, yet it has tremendously exciting potential for anybody. There's so little that we have found that can prevent dementia uh, and, you know, so many people, because we're living longer, so many people are being diagnosed with dementia or one of the forms of dementia. Alzheimer's is 80% of the type of dementia that um, people are being diagnosed with. And so that's a very tough diagnosis. It's difficult to be the caregiver for somebody with that. They may have to go into an alternative type of a home uh, for others to care for them because the caregiver can get exhausted themselves. Anyway, hopefully you're listening to me on that one. If not, hopefully you'll stay tuned because I have a great guest coming up next. He is the author of a phenomenal book, Just One More Drive, the true story of a stuttering homosexual and his race car. I'm Maureen McGrath. This is the Sunday Night Health Show. Robert James O'Brien. He is the author of Just One More Drive, the true story of a stuttering homosexual and his race car. Hey, Robert. Thanks for joining me in the studio. Thank you so much for having me here. (laughs) Now, typically, I do like to read the books before I have the authors on, but I kind of know your story a little bit, and Mm -hmm. I am going to read your book. So thank you so much for providing me with a hard copy, or uh, anyway, of the book, signed and everything. And we have one for you as well. So if you want to win this phenomenal story, Just One More Drive by Robert James O'Brien, give us a call. The number to call is 1-877-399-9898. So uh, we mentioned that it is the story of a, as I stutter, uh, a stuttering <laughs> homosexual. So a, as a child, you stuttered, and you're a covert stutterer, you mm-hmm. told me. So there's a, a different, um, or different types of people who stutter. Yeah, there is. Different types of stuttering, I guess. I'm stuttering all over the place. I just want you to know. Well, that's really great because I may or I may, may okay, not stutter as well. I just want you to well. feel at home. Thank uh, you. <laughs> maybe I have stuttering. You can maybe diagnose me anyway. <laughs> um, so tell me, what was that like as a kid to stutter? So, uh, yeah, growing up as a kid who who had a stutter, I began to develop a stutter, I think at the age of about eight. It was um, I had been I'd been bullied a little bit in school. I'd been called names. And um, after, you know, that had been sort of dealt with in a fairly heavy handed kind of way, um, 
the 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 actual stutter began in a very mild kind of way. It began as a fear first, first of all, of saying my full name, and then it gradually grew to a fear of reading out in class and speaking out in class. And then even outside of school, I wouldn't ask for things. I wouldn't ask for what I wanted, what I needed. And I went from being a very nice child to being a very quiet, shy, scared child. And how it felt, like it's not really obvious. And to someone looking in, it wouldn't have been very obvious. Um, I am, as you just said, a covert stutterer. And that means that I can hide it. Or 90% of the time you wouldn't notice. But if you asked me to say my name unexpected, the O in the in the O'Brien is usually a place where I tended to stumble. Uh, or if I was asked to read out in class or in a stressful situation, you would definitely notice. And... And I think the kind of hardest thing about it is you are hiding in fear. You're actually afraid. Stuttering isn't the fear of speaking. It's the fear of stuttering while speaking. And after the after being bullied in school, I had it that if I stutter in front of someone, that's me being weak. I'll be hurt. I'll be attacked. I'll be laughed at. You'd be bullied again, essentially. Yeah, a- essentially. essentially after mm-hmm. they resolved it. Effectively, it sounds like they had a heavy hand, and they they did had a zero tolerance policy for bullying in Ireland. It was it was a whole other time, and you know there. I mean, to be to be fair to my to my teacher at the time, there probably wasn't any sort of class in how how to deal with it. And what actually happened was she hauled hauled me up in front of the room and said, "Now point out the boys." Oh, and horrible. I'm like, okay. So if I point out the boys, I'm you know. I'll I'll be hated if I don't ha- if I don't point out the boys I'll be hated I've just lost any sort of class credi- credibility and you know that's that's what happened uh, yeah. but what I what I made it mean was I've 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 done some something wrong here and I need to fix it Right. And right. I think that was the kind of genesis of where the whole stutter began. Oh. I've got to fix this and I won't ever be exposed like this That's again. so horrible. They public, she publicly shamed you. Was that a, a female? It was, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And how did you uh, deal with that? Did you Well, as I, 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 you know, thought, oh, okay, so being a good nice boy is wrong. If I'm nice, I'll be attacked. If I say anything, I'll mm. be attacked. Mm-hmm. So let's just keep our head down and get through life. Did and you tell on the boys? I did. You did. I did because because I I was being asked by you know a An authority you figure. know adult what you know and I and, and I thought well if I don't do this and then maybe she'll bully me too so it was it was it, you know thinking back to it and it was actually quite a funny process in the writing of the book having to dig that far back and just think my you know seven or eight year old self this is how I processed it yeah wow um, not the way to deal with bullying I'm I'm disappointed in in how they how they dealt with it. Did they continue to bully you, those no. boys? They stopped. Oh, they Everybody yeah, stopped. Was, was that a nun that you had? A It wasn't a nun, no. Oh, okay. No, no, it wasn't. Um, we all had fears of nuns, but anyway, yeah. in an authority figure. And so yeah. it was effective, but it may have had an impact on you. I think it did. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, it, yes, I would, you know, assert it did. I'm now sharing a story of a book about the journey. So I think it did have, have an effect. But again, just to say it's what I, what I actually made it mean i think is what gave it the real uh, gave it the real power in the sense that a lot of us deal with being bullied in school too and i'm also aware that i am not in any way special there but it was what i made it mean i have to be fixed and there's something wrong with something me something wrong with me or i'm yeah. weak or mm. something like that and yeah. so that instilled that fear in you yeah. to actually uh, 
you know, manage your voice effectively. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because maybe you felt disempowered um, because mm. you had no choice there. I mean, you, the, the best of both evils was, was basically the choice. You know? Yeah, yeah, Which essentially is what you at the chose, time. Perhaps hindsight's twenty twenty, but um, you know they didn't <laughs> bully you right after that. So Absolutely, yeah. Maybe there was some effect, but it did have a lasting effect on mm. you. Did it affect your other relationships? Yes, it did with other friends. It did. Um, you know, it's funny thinking back. I think I just became very nervous around saying anything because it was like, am I going to say the right thing? Right. And uh, also, you know, I also kind of thought I may be gay at a very early age after watching a science fiction show with a, you know, man saving a space space princess with his shirt off. And you're like, oh, this is also wrong. Something else to fix or hide. Right, right. So I, I like the guy with the shirt off, not the princess. Not the space princess. Right, and you're right. like, ooh, this can't be a good thing. Yes. <laughs> so did you have this fear? And we're going to talk about that mm. um, shortly. Yeah. But did you have this fear in all of your relationships or even purchasing something at the store or speaking to your parents, um, standing up for yourself in any arena? Did you feel um, that you had this fear? Yeah. Um, and, the, and it resulted in the stuttering. Did you go and get any help for the stuttering? Did anybody say, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, this like was, you know, God, close to 30 years ago. So there wasn't the same kind of, I mean, knowledge base and there wasn't the same overall speech, speech therapy training or availability. But at the age of about 12, uh, when I was finishing up uh, prim- primary school, it had gotten so bad that I, you know, sort of had to go and I was um, sent to um, it. It was it was state sponsored speech therapy. And, uh, you know, in in um, at that time, the focus was to try and fix it. So if you were disfluent in some way, you were to, you know, take on some speaking methods to fix having a stutter. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be fair, the speech therapist was a lovely woman. She was very nice. I learned to try and stretch out words and break out syllables. And it just always felt very odd. And there was, you know, this feeling of I, you know, this doesn't feel right to me. And I get what I I understand it's controlling my speech, but it's taking away some form of self-expression at the same time. Right. Did anyone, and do they today, I, I don't even know the treatment for stuttering, but do they look yeah. at um, the, somebody, maybe potential trauma in the past or the emotional issues? Well, I should say, I mean, I'm, I'm not, not actually a, I mean, a trained or a qualified speech pathologist, so I'm not really qualified to answer that. But is it that. speech pathology but, that needs to treat this? It seems to me it's... I think it's the kind of whole thing. I mean, yes, the kind of obvious side of having a stutter is the actual, I mean, a person who has a stutter. Okay. And on the surface, it's actually very appealing to go, let's have tools to, to, to transform your speech, learn to control your speech. So you've got, you know, a lot of, I mean, tools, every, everybody has their own stutter too. So it's all, it's usually a sort of custom thing. Um, But when, when you dig under the surface of the, of the actual speech disfluency, it's the, it's the emotional, it's the fear, it's the shame, it's the self-hate because the other side of it is, as well as the fear, like if you aren't able to go in and ask for whatever, whatever candy bar you want to have and you just point or you settle for whatever bar you can ask for, 
you know, you, uh, well, I mean, I certainly turned that on on myself. I hated myself and I mentally berated myself for not right. being able to ask for what I actually wanted. Right. And that's just so difficult in life. And so many people struggle with that mm. stutter or not. Yeah. I'm going to ask you to stay in the studio with me. Mm-hmm. Robert James O'Brien, author or. of Just One More Drive, the true story of a stuttering homosexual in his race car. So stay with me because coming up, we're going to be talking about Rob's Coming out. I'm Maureen McGrath, and this is the Sunday Night Health Show on the Chorus Radio Network. This is the Sunday Night Health Show. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. I am joined in the studio by author Rob James O'Brien, author of Just One More Drive, this true story of a stuttering homosexual and his race car. If you're just joining us now, we have heard about his childhood as a stutterer and his thoughts on why he became a covert stutterer. Uh, This has, there have been some challenges in his life and another one when it's difficult to find your voice and be be who you are and express yourself, imagine what it's like to then come out as a homosexual in Ireland uh, 25 years ago or or discover that you are. how how um, long ago? How was did it? that happen? Okay, well, yeah. After so, at a at a very early age, I had a feeling that I may actually be gay as well as having a stutter, and I figured let's actually focus on dealing with having a stutter first. And I spent a long, long time and many years looking at how to do all of that, and. Um, um, uh, eventually, when I'd learned to manage my speech to a certain extent, I decided to go and try acting school over here in uh, Van Vancouver, in part because I did think I, I was gay and I had a feeling that I needed the space to leave home and come out, which I did over here. Oh, what age were you? I was 32. Oh, 32. Oh, so yeah. a bit of a late bloomer. Oh, very late bloomer. Okay, but you <laughs> discovered that you were uh thought you might be gay when you saw a man who didn't have a shirt on um, on a yeah on a show I was um it, it, it was actually an it was an episode of book book Rogers in the 25th century okay. so it was Captain Buck with his shirt off right. and uh, yeah the whole hairy man thing I've discovered is a thing right yes, uh, yes is I never it, knew I'm like woo yeah. hairier the better <laughs> okay. uh, which is odd because there was a princess <laughs> in that there scene was a, as well oh very sexy but you weren't attracted princess, to the princess no, no okay and how old were you then I was about 8 as eight well 8 years old it was about the same time that the whole I mean, okay. stutter so began 24 years for yeah. you too if, if my math is correct mm-hmm. okay so 32 yeah. you leave 32, for Canada 32 I was um, yeah I I I, I I'd come over here, I'd gone to acting school and during the six months in acting school, having to actually feel emotions, you know, authentically and be be authentic meant that, you know, those like, you know, sort of guards of this isn't how I really feel, blah, 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 got kind of beaten down. And at the end of acting school, it just really hit me. It's like, look, I'm now 30, 31, 32. If I don't face this, I may never face it. And I could be a guy who's hiding for the rest of his life. And it had reached the point where is it easier to be honest and say this is who 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 I am, warts and all, being gay, having a, having a stutter, or do I keep trying to hide? And I think what I discovered or what I was looking for was a kind of, I mean, peace, how to, if there's nothing to fix, and, you know, I've begun to see there is nothing to fix, but... Mm-hmm. If there's nothing to fix, then letting it out, sharing it, sharing it with, I mean, with like sort of others, younger, I mean, people. So is, Mm -hmm. so is, so is that there aren't younger kids who feel they don't fit in and they, 
you know, spend 30, 32 years running, hiding, fixing, trying to avoid because you don't really live a high quality life and you end up having to catch up for lost time very fast. You're, and you're so absolutely correct. Now, was your family surprised um, no. or were they kind of like, well, it's about time. <laughs> Everyone guessed. Yeah. And I, <laughs> Except I, <for> you. <laughs> I was so mad and I'm like, come on, guys, I'm an actor. Give me some drama. Everyone guessed. Um, and that, you know, I mean, hurt me because I had said, if everyone guessed, why, why did no one say anything? And they said, it's your own journey. And I said, guys, I was so lost. And I ran away to Vancouver to acting school. How many years, how much money have I spent running? Right. And what I, what I, what I really got from that was that's, that's on, I mean, me, that's on me. And that's, that's right. and that's what I chose. And that's a, that's a real bitter pill. But you can never but, get away from yourself. I think no. there's a great lesson there. Yeah. You can no. actually never get away from yourself no matter where you go. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Yes, and yeah. everybody has their own journey. And as the Buddhists say, you're exactly where you want to be in this life. You know, and the funny thing is, I mean, when it when it actually came to to writing the book, I thought, is this the right move? And it, you know, was so it was such fun. It was like, yeah, this is where I'm where I'm at. Is it where I thought I would be? Absolutely not. No. But there's a there's a certain peace and there's a certain as I get, I mean, older, there's a certain, I suppose, ownership to it where it's like, listen, this is how I sound. This is who I like. This is what I'm doing. And in and it's really only in the in the in the last couple of years, really, that I've begun to actually own it and go, yes, this isn't what I had imagined as a kid, but it is what it is. I'm actually at peace with it. And now it's 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 been a really amazing time of just what is it I actually want? And I have a right to ask for it. It's like, ooh, you're hot. Do you want to go and have a date? Or, ooh, that's a great job. I think I'll apply. Stutter or no stutter. Right. And 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 it and it's actually very funny. It feels as though like I mean, I feel now like I'm actually twelve again, where it's like, wow, there's upper opportunity and it's never too late. And that's I think really the you know, gift of it all. And you're really enjoying life, which is what it's all about. Isn't mm. that isn't that right? It is. Absolutely. So now let's go on to the race car. Your race car, yes. <laughs> I, I full disclosure, I've not read the book. I no, feel okay. guilty. You know, I'm Irish Catholic too. Yeah. Um, I feel guilty. And uh, that I haven't, because typically I like to interview people after yeah. I've read their book, but I certainly will. I've been looking forward to this. Mm. Um, but uh, tell me about the race car without giving it away. Without giving it away. So, you know, being, 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 being the eldest boy um, and being the only son, dad, dad and myself, I mean, dad is awesome. And I've just, I mean, I've just, just, just actually given a work, work workshop with him recently with the NSA and he was amazing. And dad has always been amazing. But as a man and as a boy, the like whole father son bonding, when I, when I actually was a kid, it was kind of hard. It was like hard to actually bond because I, I had felt dad saw me as weak or saw me as needing fixing. And the one thing that we bonded over were, were in fact cars. Nice. Um, and he bought, uh, when I was about four, four, 14 years old, he came, he came home in a race, race car. The car is an E30 M3 Sport Evolution. So any car fans out there know it's the first, um, it's the first generation M3. It was the final version of the E30. And, um, 
and it, I mean, is it's uh, it's it's a, it's essentially a road going race car. But the funny thing about it is, it's a left hand drive car. So as as a as as a child back home, I'd be effectively sitting in in uh, in the seat people would expect to find the person driving the car. Right. So as someone who has a stutter and is gay and is trying to hide, mm-hmm. this I mean this like a car screaming up and up and up and <laughs> down the like you know people would stop and look in and oh. every time and I was like dad people are looking and he's like Robert they're not looking I'm like oh. so that's <laughs> no what actually bonded living. us that's what my mother would say exactly <laughs> Rob James O'Brien author of Just One More Drive the true story of a stuttering homosexual in his race car you're awesome. I love you. Thank you Thanks very so much. much for joining me on the program. I'm Maureen McGrath, and this is the Sunday Night Health Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.